Hello, 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 and welcome to this, the bonus episode of today's FYI on Hedy Lamar. And as I said, I'm learning so much myself about a tremendous person, a fascinating individual who you could say didn't get her fair shake. Que no, que tuvo mala suerte would be a way to say that. But again, we're going to learn more and I'll have you guys be the judge. We already mentioned that adversity has always been a part of her life. She was born in the wake of the First World War, in the wake, al final, las secuelas, o la estela también, of the First World War. War. So war has always been a part of her life because she lived through the Second World War as well. And instead of being a complainer, a whiner, alguien que se quejaba, she was proactive. She was always looking for a solution. And as I said, she invented a technology. Now, this technology here was a technology that would change everything. Thing, but not at that moment. At that moment, it was kind of passed over. Nobody thought it would go anywhere. And this technology is used nowadays in Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth, and communications in general. She invented something called a frequency hopping system. And what happened was she was sitting at the piano with a great friend of hers, composer George Anthill. And the two discovered that they shared a passion for creating things, for inventing things, and just a general curiosity of how things work. And Hedy Lamar, using her knowledge of weapons design and Anthill, the composer's knowledge of musical instruments, they created this frequency hopping system. Now, what is this? I'll try and simplify it as easy as I can here. Basically, instead of going on the same frequency, they would jump back and forth. And how was this something that they could apply to the war effort? Well, this would allow military torpedoes to be able to dodge, to dodge es esquivar. Solo piensa en la marca de coches. I have to dodge the dodge. And what happened? Well, the Nazis in the Second World War, they were jamming our radio signals. And this technology made the signal jump back and forth. Hop, like I said before, a frequency hopping system. So they couldn't get the messages clearly. And this threw off, desconcertó, the Nazis. Well, not really. It didn't throw off the Nazis. It could have thrown off the Nazis if they had listened to her. That's right. She had this technology that was way ahead of time. And she wanted to help the war effort. She wanted to help her country. She was patriotic. And the United States was her adopted country. So she offered both her invention and the knowledge she possessed to aid, to aid is to help the U.S. war effort. But 
all of those offers were dismissed. A guy named Charles F. Kettering, he was the head of the National Inventors Council. Well, he told her that, you know, she should stop inventing things and coming up with ideas that she could serve her country better by using her fame and her pretty face to sell war bonds. And war bonds are like these government products. They're bank investment products. And obviously, she was not happy. She said, guys, if you listen to me, we can defeat the Nazis. And I can just imagine it now. I can imagine Charles F. Kettering. Okay, young lady, calm down. You're just another pretty face. Don't do too much thinking. Oh, man. Well, he ignored her idea, and I imagine lives were lost because of it. But she was such a good sport. Se apuntaba a todo that she took his advice and she said, I will raise money for the troops. I will raise money for the war effort. And she raised $25 million while doing these public appearances. In today's money, that's $340 million. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I had a great idea that could save lives and they laughed in my face and told me to do something else, I would tell them to stick that idea where the sun don't shine, como decimos en inglés. But not her. She said, okay, all right, I'll play your game. And she raised, again, the equivalent of $340 million in today's money. Two decades later, guess what? The Navy finally decided to pay attention and they realized the potential that this invention, remember she was the co-inventor, Hedy Lamar and her composer friend, Antil. And they said, wait a second, we could really use this technology. All the important radios used during the Cuban Missile Crisis, well, if we can alternate that signal or make it hop, well, it'll be really hard for them to jam our communications. This is great. This is perfect. And all Hedy Lamar was thinking was, wait, I said this two decades ago. What did you guys wait for? And it didn't stop there. Hedy Lamar became a prolific inventor. She didn't only have ideas that could help us during wartime, but she made a lot of practical stuff too. She was always sketching to sketches hacer un esbozo and also a sketches un esbozo. So she was always sketching blueprints of these machines and contraptions. There was one thing that she came up with, which was like a cube, a fizzy cube. And this was a tablet that would dissolve in water and create a carbonated drink. And the beverage was unsuccessful. So a, another invention of hers that was kind of ignored. But if you think about it today, how many of these products that you see in the pharmaceutical industry rely on these effervescent tablets that she created? She didn't create them for medical purposes. She created them thinking of a way to get Coca-Cola to the troops. So I guess in the end, a lot of her inventions were related to war. 
Well, as I said, war was an ongoing theme in her life. Her parents were Jewish. Just remember what was happening to the Jews back then. She also worked on an improvement for the traffic light and so many other inventions. But she wasn't just an inventor. She was a visionary. She grew up, as I said, in Austria. What's in Austria? the Alps. And when she went out to Colorado, something there, I guess the mountains, <laughs> namely, took her back to her childhood, a su infancia. So in the late 1950s, she had another idea, another project. It seemed like she was restless, inquieta, but she put her energy to good use. And in the late 1950s, she designed a ski resort called Via La Mar, which was in Aspen, Colorado. And she designed it in the Austrian design, you know, as a throwback, a tribute to Austria, where she grew up. So I guess you could say she was an architect and a city planner, too. Is there anything this woman couldn't do? Well, one thing she couldn't do was win her battle against her mental health. Now, again, I blame a lot of this on being so young and being in the Hollywood system. So she had a string of unfortunate things that happened in the 1960s. In 1966, she was arrested in Los Angeles for shoplifting. Urto. Because she was who she was, they dropped the charges. But then again, in 1991, she was arrested on the same charge in Florida, and this time for stealing $21.48 worth of merchandise. She was stealing laxatives and eye drops. Again, the charges were dropped. The only thing is she had to promise that she wouldn't break any laws for another year. But I think those shoplifting charges combined with her failed attempt to have a comeback on the silver screen, this began to mark her downfall. And there's an autobiography on her life. It's called Ecstasy and Me, and it was published in 1966. But she said on TV that it was not written by her and that much of it was fictional. She later sued to sue as demandar the publisher, el editor, saying that many details were fabricated. They were made up by the ghost writer. And a ghost writer is somebody who writes instead of you. She had other legal problems with Mel Brooks, with using her likeness in the movie Blazing Saddles. But the thing that sparked my interest or piqued my interest about Hedy Lamar is the documentary. It's a must watch. It's called Bombshell, The Hedy Lamar Story. Okay, I'm telling this to the best of my ability, but this documentary is absolutely fascinating. Well, her life is, so it would be hard to make a bad documentary about her life. 
And even though Hedy Lamar had fallen from grace, at least in Hollywood, and remember this too, guys, when you're over 35, 40 years old in Hollywood and you're a woman, there aren't as many roles available. It's a big problem in the industry and it's nothing new. I believe Glenn Close talked about it in an interview. Once you're a little bit older, Hollywood's not interested in you, especially if they originally liked you because of your looks. But she got her Hollywood star. In 1960, she received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. But she had to wait a long time for the recognition as an inventor because it wasn't until 2014, 14 years after her death, that she was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. She was also honored by Google on her 101st birthday. They made her a Google Doodle, and I love that word. To doodle is garabatear, no? Es como dibujar. Well, if you think about it, que es un Google Doodle? I mean, forget the Hollywood star or the Inventors Hall of Fame. Once you get your own Google Doodle, you've made it. <laughs> In her later years, she became a recluse. And a recluse is somebody who doesn't go out very often. Somebody who doesn't socialize. But also you could say she lived the life of five people by the time she was 30 years old. But those last decades, she was just holed up in her home. This is her home in Florida. And her only means of communication with the outside world even with her own children and close friends, was via telephone. She would spend hours talking on the phone. And remember, we don't say talking by the phone. We say talking on the phone. She hardly ever saw people in person and hardly ever is apenas. You can check out some of these conversations in another documentary called Calling Hedy Lamar. This was released in 2004 and it features her children. Now another reason people said that she was a recluse was A. She was snubbed as an inventor. Snubbed means ignored, insulted, not taken seriously. Also, once she started getting older, like we all do, she wasn't as in demand in Hollywood. In fact, Hollywood even started to mock her. Hollywood and the mainstream media would mock her. To mock is to make fun of. Burlarse de ella. Well, because of her mental health problems, which I think you're a really mean person if you mock somebody because of their mental health problems. But they also mocked her because she got a lot of plastic surgery. And uh, I don't think she went to the best doctors. You can see some photos of her in her final years where it looks like a botched operation and botched means it wasn't done correctly and I get it you know beauty is fleeting fleeting is fugaz and people want to hold on to it but also people started to say you look 
like a caricature of yourself. I always tell people, hey, do whatever you want as far as plastic surgery is concerned. But the moment I know that you've been operated on, it doesn't look good. I think some people who have gotten plastic surgery look like trolls. Again, one thing is getting plastic surgery, looking like a troll, and another thing is laughing at somebody because of it. Hey, maybe she felt a need to hold on to that beauty. And finally, on January 19th, 2000, Hedy Lamar died in Castleberry, Florida. The cause of death was heart disease. She was 85 years old. So I guess you can say she lived to be pretty old. You could say also she lived an adventurous life, a life full of adversity. And her ashes, sus cenizas, her remains, were scattered in Austria's Vienna woods by her son. Those were her last wishes. So if you ever go to Austria's Vienna woods, who knows, you might be stepping on a tree that came from Hedy Lamar's ashes. And I think there's a lesson that we can learn. Well, one lesson. I think there are many lessons that we can learn from somebody like Hedy Lamar. Well, first, curious, be curious. I know they say curiosity killed the cat. Well, you know what I have to say? Poor cat. And this woman, you could say she was treated unfairly. She was even mistreated, misguided, misled. You could say, as I said before, she didn't get a fair shake. But none of that stopped her from creating, from wondering, from exploring. And that's why Hedy Lamar was such a fascinating individual. And I'm going to leave you with a little advice from Hedy Lamar. Advice that she gave to her son on one of those answering machine messages. And I'll tell you what she says, but the best thing is to hear it straight from her. But just in case, just so you understand it, I'll give it to you. She says this. She says, give the world the best you have. Dale al mundo lo mejor que tienes. And you'll be kicked into the teeth. Now, normally we say kicked in the teeth. Que te darán patadas en la boca, ¿no? Te darán por todos lados. And you'll be kicked into the teeth. She says into, again, I would say in. But you know what she says? Regardless, give the world the best you've got anyway. Dale al mundo lo mejor de ti de todas formas. And that's something we can learn from her. To be a go-getter against all odds. Ir a por todas contra todo pronóstico. So here it is, Hedy Lamar giving us this quote, this piece of advice that she gave to her own son. Give the world the best you have and you'll be kicked into the sea. Give the world the best you've got anyway. 